Well, I have the honor of introducing our speaker this morning. Uh, many of you uh, know him or at least have seen him around. That's Aaron Glendenning. Um, Aaron married his wife Shannon in 2004, and they have attended Countryside Covenant Church ever since. They have three children, Jory, Emma, and Maddox, and Aaron has worked and served with the youth groups here at Countryside on and off for a little over 13 years, having had the opportunity to attend uh, three chick conferences along the way. Uh, He loves the relationships that he has uh, built with the students and the leaders of life, Stu Men. Well, after a teaching and coaching career that spanned more than a decade, Aaron went into full-time ministry with the Kansas Fellowship of Christian Athletes as a Central Kansas Area representative. In this role, he serves coaches, athletes, and anyone affiliated with athletics at local junior and high school, junior and senior high schools, colleges, and universities. He serves as a chaplain for six teams, and he wanted me to mention that that includes the 2021 Junior College Football National Champions, the Hutchinson Community College Blue Dragons. We're so excited to have Aaron uh, preaching this morning, and we're eager to hear uh, what God has for us uh, through your words this morning. So church, would you uh, welcome or join me in welcoming um, our preacher this morning, Aaron Glendening. Thank you. All right, good morning, good morning. It is always good to be here. And, and on this side of the, the sanctuary is a little bit different. Normally I'm in the back doing the hustle and bustle of counting everybody. And so um, I'm used to seeing the back of your heads. So to see the front, it's nice. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I always, when, when Connor introduced, uh, I wanted to throw that in there about the national championship. I, I played for one my sophomore year of, of college. <clears throat> played for a national championship in football. We lost. Um, but uh, as I progressed throughout college and then throughout my professional life, I, um, I, I began coaching, as Connor said, as well. And so I um, coached for a number of years, and I finally got to be a head coach. It's like, oh, lifetime fulfillment right here. I get to coach young men. I get to pour into them. We get to have this great opportunity and so on. Um, for three straight years, we went 0-9. So for, you know, I'm still looking for that first win as a head football coach. Um, it eludes me still. But to have a national championship as a chaplain, I'll take it. That's a pretty cool thing. So um, before we get started, um, join me in prayer if you would, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you are good, and we just come to you and thank you for this morning. God, we just thank you for... Um, the way which you reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, I just pray that whether it be because of me or in spite of me, God, that your word would be heard. Thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, we are going to get into God's word here in a second, and if you haven't noticed, which I did not, again, like I said, I'm normally in the back, we have Bibles in the pew now. I guess it's been for about three weeks, haven't been paying attention, obviously I'm not that astute at uh, knowing things or seeing things. But they're in the, the pews now. They've been gone, you know, COVID and everything else like that. I think Linda said they've been back for about three weeks now. So um, we're going to get right into it. We're going to look at God's word. So you can use that one. You can use your phone. You can use whatever you want. But uh, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 is going to be the, the scripture that we will uh, look at. We're going to start in uh, verse number 6. Before we get to reading it, <clears throat> um, just kind of a, a quick background with all of this. We have, this is Paul's first letter to his, his protege, his disciple, Timothy. 
And, and again, as Connor said, I've, I've been in and out of the youth group. Well, not in and out, but I've been for about 13 years working with Life's Through Men, um, from, from Jim Eaton being there to um, Austin and now to, to Kelly and just, just working with those kids. I, I love the relationship that we have, um, not only with the kids, but with the, 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 the people together, uh, the leaders, the, the, the friendships and the relationships that have been built have been invaluable. But the thing that I love most is walking with students and, and having that discipleship relationship. And, and so anytime I look at these, these books that Paul is, is talking to Timothy, I try to find something. I'm like, okay, what, what is it that he's telling him? What can I say to these, these young boys and young men that I get the opportunity to, to disciple? And so if we can take a look at First, uh, First Timothy chapter 6, starting with verse 6. <clears throat> but godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now you, man of God, run from these things, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the faith, take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and have made a good confession before many witnesses. <clears throat> we're going to hang out in the last two. Really, it's going to be chapter, verse 11. That's what we're going to look at. And in my version said, run from these things. In different versions, it says flee. And that's where we're going to look at, fleeing and pursuing. As you saw on your bulletin, the, the title of today's message is Pursue. And you really can't have something to pursue necessarily unless you're leaving something behind. And so what does it mean to flee? And then what are we going to pursue? And so as we look at this, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. We have Webster has a, a, a very relevant uh, definition for the word flee. It says, stating flee uh, is that it means to avoid deliberately and especially habitually, to run away from danger or evil, or to turn, or excuse me, hurry toward a place of security. Now, in, in this situation right here, Paul is using the word flee in the present imperative, meaning <clears throat> you don't just do it once. It's not something that, that we do once and we're good, we can walk away from it. So you gotta do it daily, you gotta do it like hourly, you gotta do it all the time to where there's things that are, are chasing or pursuing us that we need to flee. In this instance right here, he's talking about the love of money being the root of all evil. I'm gonna broaden that to say sin, just, just all kinds of sin. We all have, whether it be the love of money, whether it be you name it, and they were listed up there on the, <clears throat> that testimony that we just heard, all, all the different things that, that had a stranglehold on, on that gentleman. We have all these sins that we talk about. And, you know, when, when I think of sin, I liken it to wetting the bed. Because it feels pretty good at the time, but you know you're going to have a mess to clean up here in a little bit. That's the same way sin is. Man, it probably feels pretty good, but you know at some point there's either going to be a mess that you've got to clean up or somebody else is going to have to clean up for you. It's not pretty. 
And so in this case right here, Paul's telling Timothy, listen, you've done all these things and and this is one thing in particular that you need to flee from. You need to not fight because that's the thing too is God has a certain place to where we need to fight. This is not one of them. It's not one of those things where you need to to, to fight for what's going on. You need to flee and you need to get as far away from it as you possibly can. So you're looking at fleeing, run away, get as far away as you possibly can. The other word that we're looking at is pursue. That's where we're going to spend the majority of this. Um, Paul, again, the, the, the writer of this letter, uses the, the Greek word dioko. And he uses it several different times in, in the, the letters that he's written to the church at Philippi, Ephesus, and, and, and to his protege here, the guy he's discipling, Timothy. And, and a couple times he actually says to Timothy more than just this one time, to flee and to pursue. To flee what you're doing and pursue these other things. There's a whole litany of things that he's listed here in uh, verse 12, or at the end of verse 11. And he says, these are the things that you need to pursue. And if you look at each one of them, there are things that he has given us. He doesn't say to flee these things and pursue the other things of the world. Pursue the things in which God has given you. One of the um, verses to where he uses this same Greek tense of dioko is found in the, the uh, letter he sent to the church at Philippi. And I'm going to read real quick from um, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13. Paul writes, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward, pursuing, press on, dioko, to what is ahead. Um, in 14, uh, he goes on to say, I pursue as my goal, the prize promised by uh, God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. And so he says he pursues these things in which Christ has given him in his heart. These are the things. The other things that he, I I always like in this particular verse, um, I I try to come up with things that make sense to me. So if they don't make sense to you, try jumping in my head. You'll have a good time, have a good party. It's fun. But I liken this to, I, I say it's called the windshield method. And so if you get in your car after we leave, um, and, and you'll notice the windshield is so much larger than what the rearview mirror is. There's a reason for that. You need to focus on what is in front of you, not what is behind you. You see, when we're, when we're in the car as a driver, passenger, whatever, as a matter of fact, real quick story, we were going to pick up my daughter in Colby, Kansas yesterday, a three and a half hour fun trip. And uh, my son was in the back seat and he was watching something. By the time we get to Hayes, which, praise God, we made it that far. He's like, Dad, I feel sick. The thing he was focusing on was down here and not in front, getting car sick. So we left. We went to Walmart and got three extra bags. I'm like, just in case, you're throwing up in the back, not in the front. But we didn't have that problem because he began to focus on the front. But the thing that I say with this is, he says, forgetting what is behind, I focus on what is in front. Now, again, the, the rearview mirror serves as a purpose because we, we do need to see and we do need to learn from the things from behind us. That is our life. We still need to learn from, from, from history, from past mistakes and so on and so forth. But if we dwell in the past, we're never going to live in the present, nor will we ever get to the future. We'll get to what we pursue. You know, if you haven't noticed over the last, I guess, within the week, the, the Olympic Games have finally started. They were supposed to start last year, but COVID had other plans. And so for five years, normally it's four, but for five years, these athletes have been preparing 
for one or for a couple of them, a handful of events. But before they get to the Olympics, they've got to do the tryouts. And so, you know, <clears throat> earlier this year, they, they had the tryouts. And so that, that was kind of um, caught my attention. And, and you see what they do. And then when they get to the Olympics, the focus of these athletes, tremendous. The focus that they have, the, the goal that they have. And Usain Bolt, one of the fastest humans, or the fastest human, some would argue, in the planet, he said, I train for years and years and years for 10 seconds, less than 10 seconds. He runs the 100-meter dash in less than 10 seconds. All the training that he does leads up for that long. That is pursue. That is being focused on one thing that has been put in front of him, and he pursued that. We were watching swimming last night, and, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a, a wonderful swimmer. I would probably sink more than anything, but when, you know, I, I've known enough to where if you don't focus, if, you, if your head goes all over the place, your body's going to go all over the place too. And if you'll notice, those swimmers are about as straight as a, an arrow. They've got lanes, and they stay right in the middle, and they go, touch the ball, come right back. The focus is Unbelievable their pursuit of getting to one end to the end, so on and so forth. Many times we lose focus on that pursuit. Many times we, we look at things um, in our lives and, and we get caught up. The, the, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, it's where it says, since let's lay aside the sins that so easily ensnare us, that so easily entangle us, that hold us up. Let's push them aside. Let's, he doesn't say this, but he says, let's flee from those things. And let's pursue, let's run toward, let's run the race of endurance that God has set before us. Different riders, but we have the same kind of gist right here. Same kind of thought process that goes along. This, <coughs> excuse me, the Dioko is also written in the present imperative. Meaning we don't do that one time. You don't just, sorry, you don't just flee and then run for a minute and then you're done. It is a constant pursuit. It is a constant way in which you go after Christ. You go after the things in which he has put into your life. You know, the, the thing, as I said, sinning is one of those things that we all deal with. We're humans. We have these things and, and it, it reminds me of a, a, a story, I guess, would be the back, lack of a better way to say it, of a uh, lady that had a pet snake. Now, I'm, I'm not scared-ish of snakes, but a pet snake, yeah, I see a couple people doing the same, I'm like, yeah, you know, some people are like, hey, that's cool. That's you, stay away from me. But this lady had a pet snake, all right? She realized that it was, you know, my snake really kind of seems to be getting sick. Like, you know, not eating. It's, it's kind of being funny. You know, it's, it's just not, not that, what do you, do you throw a Frisbee to a snake? Do you play, play fetch? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to find out either. But nevertheless, the, the, apparently the snake wasn't as playful as it normally is. And so she picks up the snake, takes it to the vet. He's like, I, I don't know what's going on with my snake. Please help me out here. And so the, the vet does his thing, looks at it. And he's like, so you, the, the snake has stopped eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what can you tell me? He said, okay, um, 
Well, I got a couple questions for you. The first one, do you ever let your snakes like lie down in the bed with you? Do you ever let it sleep? He's like, well, yeah, since, it, since it's been sad, again, how you, snakes don't smile. So I don't know how you know if it's sad or not, but anyway, I'm not here to judge. <clears throat> the, 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 the lady said, yeah, you know, I, I let the snake sleep in, in bed with me and so on. She's like, so the snake said, okay, or excuse me, the vet said, okay. Hopefully snakes don't talk either. I have no idea. <clears throat> so he said, okay. Has the, the snake kind of warmed up or kind of crawled up next to you? He's like, yeah, I've, I've woke up, you know, several days and it's been next to me. Okay. On those days where, where the snake sleeps with you, do you ever wake up and the snake is stretched out next to you? And he's like, yeah, that just happened this morning. We, we were laying there and, and I noticed, I'm like, it is. I'm like, you can almost pick it up and it stays stiff. It was just stretched out as far as it could go. And the vet said, okay, that's interesting. So the vet finally talked to the woman and said, okay, I've got good news for you. And I got bad news for you. So the woman said, okay, what, what's the good news? Please tell me, tell me. She's like, well, your snake's not sick. She's like, oh, praise God. But he wants to eat you. Like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's a problem. So the vet explains, like, the reason that the snake has stopped eating is because it's emptying its stomach so it can make room for you. The reason that it's laying next to you and stretching out as far as it can is because it wants to make sure it can eat you whole. And, and so the, it's like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to having pet hamsters now. I don't think they eat me, you know? So that's the way that we treat our sins sometimes. It's like, it's not that bad. It, it's not going to consume me, right? It, it's one of these things that, you know, I'll, I'll do here, but then I, it doesn't, I don't think about it all the time. There are these things that are in my mind, but, you know, it, it, it's over here, and I can leave it. I'll flee. You see, the thing about sin also, I noticed yesterday, well, I've noticed for a long time, we've got these huge weeds in, the back, in our backyard, <clears throat> and... I, I thought I took care of them last year. Turns out I cut off the top of it. They grew back and they grew back thicker and taller. I didn't get the root. You with me, church? I didn't get the root. Because when we don't get the root of things, it can still grow. When we don't get the root of the sin, it continues to manifest itself within our lives. If we don't take care of it and get rid of it, it will continue to rear its ugly head in our lives. Now, for those of you that <coughs> are visual, I have a, an example here. And, uh, whoops, my. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a fan of staying hydrated. I, I like some, some orange juice, especially in the morning, and we're still in the morning, I guess. So I'm a, I'm a fan, so I'm going to have a little sip here of orange juice. It's good. <coughs> it's a little... A little tart, more tart than what I was expecting. <laughs> Sorry about that. I also like coffee. Now, this isn't coffee, this is a frappuccino. But nevertheless, um, I'm a fan. So I, I like the, the orange juice and I, I like this frappuccino, and so have a drink of that as well. That's not tart. <coughs> what we have... So we have these two things in our lives. 
We live our life, but then we also have these sins that cloud our judgment that, that completely take away who we are. So let me demonstrate. We, you know, we might wake up in the morning and be like, oh, praise God, it's another day. Man, I'm caught in traffic, it sucks. <coughs> wake up in the morning and you read scripture. I'm like, I love to dive into God's word. I love to look at bad magazines. Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. One's a tad tartar and one's a tad not tart. <clears throat> you see, we live in both of these. We, we think that we have things for you, but we have this sin that constantly lives in our life. And so here we are, and you might be sitting there thinking, I don't, I don't go back and forth. I don't constantly say I'm going to do this and then come back here. You know, it's kind of like that seesaw back and forth. You might be sitting there thinking this. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I've got like 90% Jesus, but then I've got this like 10% sin and we have this. And it's gross. It's just nasty. That's a lot. So we, we, we have this right here to where we try to live in such a way that we have the sin in our life. But the great thing, here's the great thing. I'm going to tell you the greatest news that you can possibly hear is that this isn't what you have to drink. You can still have the sin in your life. And if I wouldn't get in trouble by pouring this out, I would pour it out. Because the thing is, we can pour this out, not have to drink it because of what Christ did for us. Because of what Christ did for us on the cross, he took every part of this disgusting drink and he said, you don't need any more of that. Let me get you holy water. And let me tell you this, that where you get that holy water from, you're gonna get that every day, all day. It's something that you can have continuously, but the thing is, you gotta flee from this. You got to take this and you got to say, no more. I don't want it. And you have to pursue hard. Pursue after those things that Christ has called you to pursue. The greatest part about this is that there's, there's kind of a synergistic work, if you will. And Jerry Bridges um, offers that we have this partnership with the Holy Spirit and this is what Jerry says, that this synergistic work refers to occasions that combine our effort and his enabling power. But this isn't for a pure synergism, as if we and the Holy Spirit each contributed equal power. Couldn't be further from the truth. Rather, we work as he enables us to work. We cannot pursue something as he enables us to. So qualified synergism is what he uses we're 100% dependent on his power in order to participate in the work. And in the psalmist said in Psalm 121, verse 127, verse 1, excuse me, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Both of these two activities, building and watching, are things that we cannot do on our own, but they're things that God enables us to do. And so... We have the power 
the Holy Spirit within us to know that this drink does not need to be in us any longer. Let's pray. Let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you again. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you reveal it to us. It is living, it is breathing, and we just thank you for your revelation. God, I just pray that as we ponder on these words, Lord, that we would pursue the things that you have called us to, that we would flee from the things that you don't want us to have. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for that work of your son, Jesus, dying on the cross for us. It is his powerful name that we pray. Amen.